can be seated. Good to see you here this morning. Just remind you of our prayer meeting tonight. You've come ready to pray and worship the Lord. It's probably the most important time we have as a, as a church body is that time we have seeking the Lord together on Sunday evening. So I uh, just encourage you to be part of that. Be in prayer for everything with the building situation and moving forward with that. Know God's going to take care of everything. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We were did the first half of this verse last week. And we're going to... God's given me a word on the second half of this. I appreciate Alberto teaching Sunday school this morning. Y'all, for those that didn't make it, we're doing a series on, on the armor of God. We're just taking our time and going through it that we'll be able to stand for God in these days in which we're living. And so uh, it's wonderful teaching this morning. But let's look at this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus is speaking with His disciples. And He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so we talked about this last week. Sheep in the midst of wolves. It looks like such a mismatch. And yet this is exactly how Jesus Himself described him sending his disciples out into the world to minister in his name. The Lord told him he was sending them forth, and they were going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he tells them, and what we're going to talk about today in verse 16, the end of that verse, he tells them how and what he wants them to be. I want you to be as wise as serpents, and I want you to be as harmless as doves. It's kind of interesting that he uses four animals. In this one little scripture, sheep and wolves and serpents and doves, three of them apply to the believer, the sheep, the serpents and the doves, in the sense, only in the sense that he, uh, that analogy can only go as far as the Lord wants it to go. And so here he's saying, be as, as uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Can I tell you this morning, it's not enough for the man of God or the woman of God or the young person of God to know what God has called us to. We must know what He's called us to. We also know, we must need to know uh, what we are to be in every situation. In other words, not just the work to do, but innately what He has made us to be and called us to be in that situation, in that work. In every situation, in every calling of God, in all places, before all men, you're going to go before lost men. You're going to go out in this world and serve God before saved men. You're going to go uh, uh, before nice people and mean people. You know, he described that he sent his sheep in the midst of wolves. Wolves, uh, wolves there, when I've studied it, it's not just lost people. Because the world is filled with lost people. Wolves would include lost people. But he says you're in the midst of wolves. He's talking about wicked people. He's talking about people that are opposed to Christ. Opposed to the truth. They're going to do what they can to clamp down and to stop and oppose and oppress uh, Jesus Christ and whatever is of God and the truth. And they're going to come against you as a believer. And so he says, I'm sending you right, right into the middle of them. It's like David went out with a sling and a stone right out to Goliath. He wasn't standing back, you know, lobbing darts from a long, or, or arrows from 200 yards away. He sent him out into the battle. And, and Alberto talked about this morning. We wrestle, don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Wrestling is not from a distance. Wrestling is in hand-to-hand combat. I was watching some uh, documentary this week on History Channel about 
uh, Battle of Fallujah, and it showed this Marine, he won all kinds of awards, and I, uh, I can see why. He was, uh, he, he was leading his, they were going house to house, urban warfare in this city, clearing houses of, of these, uh, you know, these terrorists and so forth, and, 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 he, and there's a group in this house, and he goes in, he, he uh, leads the way, he gets shot, they clear out some of the people. He goes charging up the stairs to the upstairs, and there's a guy waiting for him. And and they end up the, the battle breaks down from machine guns and grenades. In this him and this one insurgent in this upstairs room, he's nobody else is around, and it gets down to just him and this guy hand to hand. They're rolling around on the floor. They're wrestling. They're, and and he doesn't have any weapons left. And he gets his little basically like a little service utility knife and he grabs it off his leg off his hip and he ends up using that uh, to kill the, the guy and then he goes up on the rooftop and as soon as he goes one guy drops off the, the roof down in front of him you know screaming things at him with his machine gun and he takes this guy out it was just amazing but I thought about you know with all the modern modern technology and warfare you know uh, of heat-guided missiles and everything else. This battle came down to a guy and an enemy wrestling around on the floor, and he grabs his utility knife, is what he ended up... Uh, and there's just a training. There's a training for that. And so uh, we're, we're wrestling. We're sheep in the midst of wolves. We're in the midst of them. We're not just watching them on TV. When God sends His servants out, we're out to serve Him. And we're in the midst of them. We're in the midst of other believers at times, like right now. We're in the midst of just lost people who, who don't know their left from their right or just lost and need Jesus. And then we're in the midst of people that are enemies of Christ and that are opposed to the Lord. And so it's, it's, not, it's not enough for me to know what I'm called to do. I do need to know what I'm called to do. I'm to preach this Gospel and so forth and make disciples of men but also what I am to be. We're to be Christ-like. We're to be like Jesus as we go. We're not just doing the work of the Lord. The Bible says, for as He is, so are we in this world. That has to do with how we are and who and what we are in Christ Jesus as a new creature. And so, we don't go out there, y'all, in the name of the Lord as believers and just represent God or serve God in any old way we choose. We are to be like the Lord. The Bible says we're to walk worthy of the calling wherewith we're called. The Bible says, as He is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We are to be like the Lord. And so we represent the Lord in the precise way that God has ordained for us to. And you might meet believers in other countries that don't even speak English, but if they're true believers, they're going to be like Christ. Inwardly, in their heart of hearts, they're going to, we're going to begin to, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing work of God's Spirit in our lives, but we're being sanctified. We come to where we love what God loves and we hate what He hates. And we want men to be saved. We want people to come to know this wonderful Savior that we came to know that saved us. And we want to serve God. We want to please God. And we, we, we're grieved when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we're, it, that's what we are inwardly. And he says, this is what I want you to be. I'm sending you forth in my name, but I want you to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
Again, it's not enough just to uh, to represent God any way we choose. It's the way He's chosen. And it, that way that He has chosen, you know what it's going to do? It's going to be the best and it's going to glorify His Son the most. Because I have seen people, and I probably have been guilty of it at times in my life, as a Christian misrepresenting the Lord, quote, in the name of the Lord. Like doing something that I should do, like tell somebody about the Lord, but maybe my my demeanor, my attitude, maybe I was just being rude. Maybe you understand what I'm saying? I remember going to LSU when I was at LSU in the free speech alley and and hearing some people stand up there that preach, telling everybody they were just going to hell. There was no love, there was no compassion, there was no um, uh, tenderness at all. There was just pointing their finger and telling everybody that walked by, pointing to people, you're in a sorority, you're going to hell. There was no that's not what Jesus is. That's, yes, we're to preach the gospel, but that would have been they weren't he wasn't being what he should be in his heart of hearts. And so it's very important to the Lord that that we not only serve God, but we be inwardly what he's called us to be. So we know in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives import, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, and, and so forth. Most of those have to do with inward attitudes. Most of them are not actions. Most of them, pure in heart. You don't do pure in heart. You are pure in heart. You understand what I'm saying? Blessed are the meek. Yes, you can behave in a meek way, but that's going to come out of a meek and gentle spirit. Like Christ. Jesus says, take my yoke and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. This is what I am. Therefore, he behaved in accordance to what he was inwardly. He behaved in a meek manner. And so, what old preacher says, notice there are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. Because it's what, what we are inwardly in our hearts. And so, God has to prepare us. This is one of the reasons we gather and frequently and regularly as believers. You know, some people, and even Alberta was talking about this in Sunday school, somebody questioned them on why do you go to the church so much? You know, do you have to go to church to be saved? No, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ to be saved. But if you're born again, you want to grow in the Lord and please God and come to know Him more, He has ordained the church that every joint supplies every joint. He has ordained that. And so He is building us up and He is making us what He's called us to be. He's got to prepare us for this life. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean I'm fully equipped. I'm to put on the full armor of God like we're talking about. I'm to be filled with the Spirit daily and continually. And think about it. God had to prepare Moses, right? Most to, to be the deliverer of His people. He had to prepare him. Moses thought when he was about 40 years old that he was ready. And that's when he killed the Egyptian taskmaster that was beating a Hebrew slave. And then... He thought that people were going to, the Bible says that he thought that people were going to know that he was sent to, to help them and deliver them. But they didn't because he wasn't ready. He had to be humbled. He had to be made a shepherd because he was going to be a shepherd of God's people. He had to be made an intercessor. So he says, Lord, if you're going to blot their names out, blot my name out too. Well, that, that had to, to, to be some working of God in his life. And so he prepares us. This is what we do comes from what we are. 
What we do and how we serve God is going to come from who and what we are. God had to make Moses the most meek man on the face of the earth. That's what the Bible says of him in Deuteronomy. Can you imagine? The most meek man on the face of all the earth. And God used him more greatly, at least up until that point, than any other man had been used on the earth. God had to prepare David, King David, to be King David. He had to prepare him to shepherd his people. And God had to prepare Peter to feed his sheep. He had to make him that inwardly and fill him with the Spirit. Not that he had to be perfect before we could serve God, but he does have to do that work of Christ's likeness in us to where when we go out, we're not misrepresenting the Lord. That we are in our heart of hearts. We can love our enemies and so forth. That's not just something you do. You have to really love your enemies. God has to give us that. Amen? And to make us that. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's a work of God. So I want us to look. Just we're looking in this. In Matthew chapter 10 where we started, we see that the Lord... Uh, this is the first we didn't read much of it. We only read one scripture, but keep your spot in Matthew 10. This is Jesus sending his disciples out on a first little mission trip. It's almost like a little trial run. I don't know exactly how long it was. It may have been a few weeks, but he sends them out and he empowered them for the work. So let's look at this back at Matthew 10, verse one. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So he's empowered them. And then he, he, he sends them out. There's a sending from the Lord. You know what? We ought to stay with the Lord and we ought to stay in whatever place God has placed us until we're sent. And then when we're sent, we ought not stay put. We need to go. When He sends us, we need to go. When He tells us to be still and to stay put for a while, like He had Elijah by that brook, right? During the famine, He fed him and gave him water. It wasn't time for him to go talk to King Ahab. It was time for him to stay by the brook and be fed and have water. And when the brook dried up, God moved him. He says, now it's time to go to Zarephath. I've got a widow woman there that's going to sustain you there. Then I want you to go talk to Ahab. Be where He wants you to be. Let Him prepare you and prepare me for what's coming next. I promise you. I can promise one thing to everybody here. There is something next. There is something next for you. There's something next for this church. There's something next for the body of Christ. And I'm talking about in Christ, what He's preparing us for. He empowered His people. Then He sent them forth. Look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And just a little side note, this this point in Jesus' ministry, uh, there was a plan of God to bring the Gospel first to the Jews, then from the Jews to the Gentiles. So uh, that's what He's saying there. But He's giving them their marching orders. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass nor uh, in your brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town, uh, well, we'll just stop in verse 10. So he sends them forth. There's the sending forth. Then he tells them what it's going to be like. 
not with every individual, but he says, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And let's look at verse 17 and 18. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. He's telling them flat out, this is what it's going to be like when you go out. Sheep in the midst of wolves, beware of men. They're going to deliver you up. All they're doing is healing the sick. All they're doing is, is preaching the gospel. Freely you've received, freely give. They're giving. They're being nothing but a blessing. And yet the Lord tells them, this is what the nature of the conflict that I'm sending you into. And y'all, this is not at all far removed from where we are as a people today. You could say that about every generation. I understand that. But you have to say, this is where we are as a people. That, that the darkness is increasing. The opposition to Christ and to the light is increasing. Therefore, there, and the hatred and the, and the openness about the hatred towards God, the Bible, the things of God, the Word of God, there's no question that that's increasing. I've seen it over my lifetime. I've seen it over my saved lifetime. This is, this is greater darkness. The Lord's still the answer. He still sits on His throne. But just understand, this is the nature of what we're, what we're in. And He's sending us out into it and says, I'm sending you there. And that's why it's okay. We talked about this last week. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, why? I'm a sheep. You describe me as a sheep. And you're going to set me in the midst of wolves. Really, Lord, is that, is that the wisest thing to do? The key is, and we talked about it last week, we have a good shepherd who says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He says we're in the Father's hands and nothing and no one can pluck us from the Father's hands. The good shepherd says that he, he guards his sheep. He guides his sheep. He speaks to his sheep. We hear his voice. We know when to talk and when to be quiet. We know what to do and what not to do. And he says, I, never leave, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, that's different, God. I'm a sheep in the midst of wolves, but i got a good shepherd who's greater than all these wolves. Amen? So we're not to be afraid. The Bible tells us, don't fear him who can destroy the body, but not the soul. Later in this chapter, he says it. But fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the Lord. Okay? A healthy, holy fear of God. Here's how and what I want you to be in the midst of the wolves. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know what that has to do? It has to do with our mindset has to do with our heart, like we talked about loving our enemies. It has to do with the wisdom that we have. It has to do with the stand that we take. And we're to be that right in the midst of wicked people. Wicked people. We're in the midst of wolves, as we said. Think about it. All of the Lord's prophets, almost all of them, He says in, in, uh, in it's, well, Stephen says it in the Sermon in Acts, and Jesus says it in Matthew. He says, you stoned the prophets that were sent to you. You killed them. God sent godly men rising up early to preach the word. What were those prophets? They were lights. They were ministers of the Lord. They were in a sense sheep in the midst of wolves. They were killed, but they did what God wanted them to do. Jesus was crucified by wolves. Yes, and we know he died for our sins, but he was in the midst of wolves. Stephen was stoned. 
by wolves. They were gnashing their teeth and running after him, picking up stones to kill him, stopping their ears and gnashing their teeth, full of ang anger. That sheep in the midst of wolves and it's no different. Jesus' disciples, every one of them. Now Judas, we know, betrayed the Lord. But every one of the disciples was martyred. They tried to kill John. They ended up banishing him to the island of Patmos. But you understand the point. They did nothing but good. Just like Jesus. But that's the nature of the conflict. We're sheep in the midst of wolves. If you hide your light under a bushel, then you can escape a lot of that persecution. But if you live, and I live like I'm called to live as a child of God, to let your light so shine before men, then we're going to face it. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I don't go out looking for trouble. You don't go out looking for trouble. I go out looking to serve God. And I serve God and their people and the God of this world behind people and men and the God of this world behind governments and businesses and everything else and authorities that want to shut you up. They're enemies of the cross. And yet, he says, I want you to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I'm going to read a couple of Scriptures just for time's sake quickly. Jesus said in John 15, speaking to His disciples, verse 19, if you're taking notes, if you are of the world, the world would love His own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That not done anything. He just says, because you're not of the world, because I've saved you, because you're washed in the blood of Jesus, because you're named by my name, because you're, my Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you belong to me now. You're born of the Spirit of God. He goes, the world hates you. The world hates you. And so we're not to hate the world back. We hate all that's in the world, but we love souls for Jesus' sake. Amen. Another scripture says, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. I mean, this is pretty blunt. He's telling us the nature of what we're going out into the midst of. And he still tells us in the light of that opposition, in the light of that hatred, in the light of that darkness trying to stamp you out and stomp you out and kill you. He goes, I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's what He's called us to be. Wise as serpents. And so I looked up serpent in the, in the Bible. No big, no big secret. The definition in the Greek is snake. Alright? So why would the Lord want us to be like a snake? All, as I said earlier, the, the, the comparison is only as far as the Lord would want it to go. Wise as serpents means here, this is also in the definition. Literally, serpent is a snake. Figuratively, it means a sharpness of vision then that makes more sense, right? Sharpness of vision. A clarity to see things. This is a spiritual sight, okay? A clarity to see things, to see men, to see situations clearly and quickly. In other words, we walk into a, a, a group of people and God gives us discernment to know what's going on. We, we go to preach in another church in Peru on a mission trip. And we walk in there and God gives discernment what's going on. We walk up to an individual at work and we want to share the gospel with him. And quickly, this is only from the Lord. It's not just because I'm really sharp or you're really sharp. It's a clarity of vision to see men, situations, things quickly and clearly to see them as God sees them. 
That's what he means when he says, be wise as a serpent. I want you to know what's going on. Because if you go into this town and they don't receive you, it's because they don't receive me. I want you to shake the dust off from them and walk out. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Okay? I want you to see things quickly and sharply. I want you to see things how I see them. To discern. That's the Bible word for it to me. When he says, be wise as serpents, it's in a wisdom, it's an ability, it's a discernment. And the greater our relationship with Christ, the greater our, our intimacy with the Lord, the greater that discernment will be. We can, we can have that increased in our life. Amen? Just like I can love more than I love now. The closer I walk with the Lord, the more I'm going to love other people. The, the closer I walk with Jesus, the more discernment I'm going to have. It, it comes to hearing the voice of my good shepherd. I'll hear him. I'll know what he's saying. I'll know what's not of God. He says the voice of a stranger will they not follow. Okay? And so the Bible says, but grow in grace. Peter says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in that. That means I can grow in grace. I can grow in the knowledge of Christ. As a believer, I can still got plenty of room to grow. And don't I know it? I've got a long way to go. But my discernment, my clarity of vision, my sharpness of vision, and so will yours, will increase as I grow in my intimacy with the Lord, my, my knowledge of His Word, my love for His Word, my obedience to the Word, my yieldedness to the will of God, my surrender to the will of God, my walking in the will of God. As that gets closer and closer to where it should be, I promise you, um, you and I are going to have more wisdom and discernment to discern what in the world's going on in the world today or in the workplace or in the, in the government or whatever. He's going to give us discernment. So we need to grow in that. Amen. And again, it's not just because someone's extra sharp. Uh, it's going, it comes from the Lord. It's from God to His saints. And y'all, He knows what's needed for the hour. This good shepherd knows what is needed for his sheep in the hour in the midst of wolves. Don't think he doesn't know. He knows and he's able to supply it. And he says, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I want you to uh, just listen to this. I'll read it. You can turn if you want to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so when he says, see that you walk circumspectly, that means walk diligently, exactly. I have too many times that Christians and too many Christians in our day want to serve God like they feel like serving God as opposed to what God's Word says. See that you walk circumspectly. That means perfectly, diligently, exactly. Not as fools, but as wise. Okay? Redeeming the time. He says the days are evil. Again, we heard about this in Sunday school. You know what it means when it says an evil day? The days are evil. I don't think we would argue with that. Evil day has to do... Um, it means diseased. It actually means diseased. It means wicked. The days are diseased. I mean, that, that's the definition of that word. It means hurtful, vicious, bad, diseased, evil influence. 
That is a day in which we live. And yet God is still God and He still sits on His throne. And we're to walk in the fullness of His joy, the fullness of His peace, the fullness of His Spirit. We're still more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And He still promises to never leave us nor forsake us. But the days that we're living in are diseased and evil. And there are people that will be saved. And they're going to be saved from your testimony for the Lord being wise as serpents and harmless as dove. They're going to be those that are not going to be saved. They're going to choose darkness rather than light and they're going to die in their sin and spend eternity separated from God. But that's up to the Lord. We need to just rightly represent Him in this day. He says, don't be as fools, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then He says back in Matthew 10, 16, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Harmless is only used three times in the Bible. I'm going to give you all three of them because it's a Christ-like trait. Harmless means harmless. It means innocent. It means not bad. Okay? It means simple. Not simple like in stupid. Simple like in innocent. Okay? Like you would think a little child. They're just simple in, the, in that sense. Not ignorant, but it means innocent. And so harmless as doves. And I'll read these two scriptures. This is, uh, this is like the Lord. For such a high priest, Hebrews 7.26, became us. Speaking of our high priest, Jesus, who is holy, harmless, there's, there's the word, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And then that is to be our nature. Philippians 2.15, listen to this, that ye may be blameless and harmless. We know Jesus is that way. And he says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's the wolf. Amen. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. If I'm not harmless and wise and Christ-like in the midst of wolves, I'm not going to shine as any light. But he says, I'll put you in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and you as my people are to be holy and blameless because you shine as a light in the midst of this wickedness. Amen. What does dove represent in the Scriptures most frequently? The dove is representative of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River at the beginning of his, his ministry, says the Spirit of God descending like a dove and light up, lighting upon him. This is, um, this is God's way of describing the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, as the Son of God, when the Word became flesh, he ministered and did what he did as a spirit filled man. He was still God, didn't cease being God. Okay? But the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Holy Spirit descended upon Him and abode upon Him, the Bible says. That's how John the Baptist knew. That God had told him, the one that you see the Holy Spirit coming upon and remaining, that's the one. That's the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. And so Jesus did all He did, the miracles, the preachings, the healings, uh, even Himself being raised from the dead on the third day, the Bible says, was by the Spirit of God. By the eternal spirit. And this is the dove of God. And I just want to read this quickly from Luke. You don't have to turn there, but chapter 4. This is right after he was baptized. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's when he was tempted. But he was full of the Holy Ghost, is what I want us to see. So he comes down after that temptation where the devil tempted him those three times and, and Jesus defeated him by the word of God. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit and the Galilee. These are not just little phrases that are thrown out. 
He was led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, to be tempted. He returned in the power of the Spirit. That's Luke 14, 1 and verse 14. And so, our Lord faced many wolves in His day, didn't He? He faced many wolves and they, they set traps for Him. The wolves, not just the lost people. Like I said, a lost person is a lost person. They're, they need Jesus. The drunkards, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, anybody who just doesn't know the Lord. The good old boy down the street. But the, Jesus was in the midst of the wolves and the wolves set traps for Him. Trying to catch Him in His words. Trying to entangle Him so they could find a way to accuse Him. And they really want to kill Him. So we can find the right accusations and find Him guilty of them. Then we can kill Him and we'll feel justified in doing it. Right? They never did, by the way. They ended up killing Him, but He laid down His life. He said, no man takes my life. They never did catch Him in His words. That's my point. And I want you to read this to me as one of the most amazing things. Turn to Luke chapter 20. I want to read this passage. Luke chapter 20. Again, these are things we just read about and kind of... Maybe you're reading through the Gospel, you read this and you just keep going and don't think that much about it. But let's read this. Luke 20, verse 19. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour, <coughs> sought to lay hands on Him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that He had spoken the parable against them. And they watched Him and sent forth spies. Is this not wolves? Okay. They watched Him and they sent forth spies. The spy's not going to say, I'm a spy. The spy's going to go forth and act like, oh, they're just some innocent little seeker. Okay? But they're spies that sent forth from people that want to kill Jesus. Which should feign or fake themselves just, just men, that they might take hold of his words, that they might deliver him unto the power and the authority of the governor. And they ask him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. So they're lying. They don't know that and they don't believe that. And acceptest thou the, the person of, of any neither accept the person of any. That but teach us the way of God truly. Is it lawful for us to... Here's their question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness. How did he perceive it? Well, he's God. Okay? But this is the same type of thing, the same discernment that we're talking about. We're saying being wise as serpents. He perceived. They didn't say anything. They might have been perfect actors and pulled off their part just exactly like they were supposed to. Okay? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and in superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. He said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. You know what he did? He shut them up. Okay, he shut them up. Now, yes, he loved them. He loved them. He loved the rich young ruler, even though the rich young ruler left and didn't follow Jesus. He loved these men that came to him. But he's not going to compromise. Okay, he perceived their craftiness, and he says, "Why are you tempting me? Like, why are you?" Uh, he just shut them up. And and think about this. He didn't prepare for that specific moment in the sense of somebody's getting ready to come and. Uh, here's what I'll say if they ask me about this penny. He's walking with his father. 
He only does the things he sees his father doing. He only says the things he hears his father saying. We're going to be prepared for what comes later today or tomorrow, next week or next year by being prepared today. By walking with Jesus right now. That we'll have an answer to give. We don't know when somebody's going to come along. A wolf in sheep's clothing that's going to try to tempt us to fall into sin. To run our testimony for Christ. To try to entangle us in our words. We don't know when that's going to happen. But we're sheep in the midst of wolves. We're to be prepared for that right now. And and the Bible says that God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and redemption and sanctification. As it is written, let him the glory of glory in the Lord. He's made those things unto Christ is that for us. We need to walk closely with the Lord. But that's such a great example of our Lord being wise as a serpent and harmless as as a dove right in the midst of the wolves. Amen. Right in the midst of wolves. There are times, y'all, we need to know when to be quiet. Y'all know that? It's not every time to stand up on the on the table in the cafeteria and preach the gospel. We need to know when to be quiet and we need to know when to speak. Jesus didn't just go around speaking all the time. You understand? Sometimes He retreated with His disciples and prayed. Sometimes He was alone praying. Uh, we need to know when to speak, when to be quiet. We need to know uh, when somebody's being genuine with us and really want to know the Lord. And they're asking us about Christ and how we can bring them to the Lord. Or when somebody's just uh, a mocker and we're told not to cast our pearl before swine. We need to know the difference of that. We need to know when to stand right there in that group of people and when it's time to walk away. There are times they want to take Jesus and make him king right then and there. He says he's passed right through the middle. He left. He wasn't going to be made king. He was going to die on the cross and be the Savior. He's coming back to be king. Amen? He's coming back to be king. First coming, he came to be Savior. And so we need to know when to stay, when to go. And we see the same thing with, with uh, just for time's sake, we see it with Peter and John after they had healed the lame man at the temple. Right? And, and then the crowd gathers because they knew this was the lame God. They would see, we see him every day. Walking by, he's laying there begging for, for food and for money, and now he's healed. Now he's leaping up and running and praising God. He goes into the temple with them. And the crowd gathers and they preach the gospel and says, Why do you look at us as though we did something? It's the Lord that did this, the one that you crucified. And and it says five thousand people got saved. Well, the Pharisees didn't like it. And so they bring him in before this council and they question them and threaten them not to preach anymore. And they they said that. With the, uh, they said, we did this by, in the name of Jesus. If we're examined this day by what means the lame, impotent man is made whole, it's by Jesus Christ whom you crucified. And it says the council, seeing the man that was lame before, now standing whole with Peter and John, they could say nothing against it. Isn't that awesome testimony? It doesn't mean that he, they stopped them from persecuting them, but they did shut their mouths, so to speak. Well, here, here's the testimony that God is with us. This man was lame. You never helped him. Jesus healed him today. And he's standing here with us. That's the power by which we did it. That's the name. And there's no other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. And it says, notice that these men were uh, unlearned and ignorant men. They took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. That's what the council said about these men. They've been with Jesus. And... 
You know, that's, that's, we need to be with our shepherd. If we're sheep in the midst of wolves, we need to be in communion with the Lord. Always. We have times like this where we're not being harassed. We're not in, and this is the sanctuary. This is where we come to retreat unto God, to be fed. He's leading us beside still waters. Amen. And the pastures we're feeding right here on the word of God and each other's fellowship. And we'll pray together tonight. But then we go out. We need to still be in communion with the Lord. This is where we're strengthened and built up. And, and the Bible says it was prophetic and, uh, about Jesus that when he would come at his first coming, he wouldn't crush a bruised reed or quench a smoking flax. And that to me just shows the tenderness of the Lord. That's the harmless. We're talking about being harmless as doves. He was wise, but the Lord was always tender. He would much rather save than damn. He would much rather heal you know, than, than, than curse. He would much rather forgive than, than, than damn. As I said, He would much rather be merciful. He's tender. He came to seek and save the lost. And it shows of His mercy. He wasn't going to crush a bruised reed or quench a smoking flax. And the, and the picture there is that uh, the, the candles that they, they used in these days would have been like a bowl of oil and had a, a wick coming out of it. And the oil's all been burnt up out of the, the lamp. And it's just about to go out. And maybe it's going out and it's just barely still smoking. A little embers on the end of the wick. It would be so easy to snuff it out. Right? But Jesus didn't do that. He won't do it. He's tender. He's kind. He's merciful. He's merciful to bruised people. He's merciful to broken people. And we talked at the beginning, be this. Be as wise as a serpent. Be as harmless as a dove. That to me speaks of the harmlessness of God. We ought not crush a bruised reed. Somebody's backslidden or whatever. We need to be tender, compassionate. Somebody that's lost and they were lost 20 years ago when we knew them and we're still witnessing to them. They're still lost. And, and yet we can't crush them. It's not for us to do that. God will deal with them. Okay? We are to be harmless as a dove and not to quench a smoking flax, flax or crush uh, a bruised reed. We are not, I'm closing with this, y'all. We're not to... As sheep of the Lord's pasture, we're not to speak or behave like the wolves that surround us. It's so easy to do it, though. It's so easy to fall into, even if we don't curse or something like that, it's easy to just fall into this attitude of the world, a worldly mindset or whatever. Well, they don't care about anybody. I just won't care about anybody. I'll just stick to my own business or whatever. That's not what we're called to do and be. We're not, to call to, we're not called to speak or act like the wolves that are around us and that surround us and attack us. We're not to seek to get even with our enemies. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We're not to seek to get on the level of our enemies to use their methods and their schemes. It's so easy to want to do that. Somebody gossips about you, so you want to go gossip about them. But we'll, we'll call it a prayer request and you know and that won't be gossip. Uh, or somebody uh, puts us in a bad light before other men and makes us look bad, hurts our testimony before others. So we say, well, you know, i got a million things on them. If I wanted to say that, I could do the same thing before this other group of people. But that's, that's Satan's methods. That is not wise as a serpent. That is not harmless as a dove. So we're not to get on that level. 
We're not to look for trouble either. We don't go out looking for trouble and say, look, I got persecuted for righteousness today at work. Well, maybe you were a jerk. You know what I'm saying? We're just looking for trouble, trying to stir something up. And, and it wasn't the Lord's leading at all. It's just something we did. Now, we need to be bold in the Lord. But we need to be wise. And God will show us, okay, what to do. And so we're not looking to be combative for the sake of being combative. And Jesus was not that, okay? Jesus was not that. He didn't go out seeking to be combative. He says His voice won't be heard in the streets. That's from Isaiah 42 and fulfilled in the Gospels. It doesn't mean He didn't speak public in the streets. You know when I studied that, what it meant? It meant He's not trying to get a mob to follow Him. You watch these people on TV with the mobs and the riots, renting and raving, one little phrase over and over again, like zombies, okay? It's demonic. It's not of the Lord. They get somebody else chanting with them. Then they go kill somebody that's a, a Christian in the midst of their group. Does it happen? It has happened, okay? Uh, they go shoot two police officers because they, they're just sitting in their car. Does it happen? It has happened. What about Jesus didn't raise His voice in the streets to try to get a following or a mob mentality. Let's go take Caesar's throne. You know, let's go take Herod's throne. Uh, he didn't do that. He preached what he preached. He says what you've heard in secret. You, he preached it on the rooftops. But he's not trying to get a mob following. There was a gentleness to the Lord. And, a, a, and there's to be that in our lives. And so I'm going to close with, with a couple of scriptures here. From Romans chapter 12. Verse 14. You can come on up if you would. The Bible says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. So I'm a sheep in the midst of wolves. i got wolves that are going to be cursing at me. Not every day. But they don't love you or your God or my God or the Bible or the church. And they're against us. And I'm not to curse them. I'm to bless them which persecute. I'll leave the judgment up to God. I'll leave their eternity up to God. I'll leave whatever punishment or, or, or forgiveness comes their way up to the Lord. Okay, If they don't repent, they're going to perish. Jesus said that. If they do repent, they're going to be forgiven. They'll be my brother and sister in heaven forever. All right, and, But I'm to bless them which persecute. Avoid needless offense. This is from a commentary I, wrote, I read about the, the wisest servants and harmlessest doves. Avoid needless defense offense and avoid being tricked into compromising situations we read that about jesus we being harmless doesn't mean stupid being harmless means being innocent and unoffensive but he also put the wisest serpents in there okay i need to be on guard not to be tricked into some compromise Compromising situation or words or whatever it may be. And the whole time, you know how we're protected? By our good shepherd. We're protected by the armor of God. That's why we have to take it all to us that we might be able to stand in the evil day. We're protected by a character of righteousness that, and a testimony. We're protected by faith unfeigned. It's not fake. It's genuine and it's real. Y'all stand with me. I'm going to close with this scripture. And, and we're done. The altar's open. Find your place to meet with the Lord. God says, I behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So let me read this. And, and y'all, the, the altar's open even now. But as you're coming, I want to read this from 1 Peter. 
Peter says, For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile, that means trickery, found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. It'd be so easy to do that, right? Like I said, somebody gossips about you, somebody curses at you, somebody hates you, and to turn, turn around and just equal measure, let it come back at them. But when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. To me, this is that wisdom of God and the wisest serpents and harmless doves. And where do we do that? Where are we that? We're that in the midst of wolves. We're that uh, all the time. We're that in the presence of God. We're that in the presence of lost men. He's called us to do that and to be that. I want you to pray with me and find your place to meet with the Lord this morning. Father, we come before you.